FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 123 of the podcast that goes snicked. We're ready for a flashback episode. I'm your flashback! <laughs> That's right. I haven't done that in a while. Um, <laughs> I'm your host, Jason. Ugh, I have a secret war hangover, Venable. And I'm joined once again by flashback co-host Cameron. Insert dragon sex joke here, Sinclair. Yay. How's it going, man? That's pretty good. Although I feel like... With your uh, string of amazing guests on the flashback, I should probably be demoted from co-host to just average guest. No way. That you settle for when you can't get really good people. <laughs> I'm sure the audience is groaning that it's me again. No, 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 no. I don't have a cool accent. I don't have anything interesting to put out of this. I'm just another average dude. No, no. But I'll do my best. No one wants your self-loathing. <laughs> Except for maybe Wolverine. Except for maybe Wolverine. That's why our Wolverine. band never made it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because you wore tennis shoes in that stupid show. <laughs> That's true. You wore your that is was true. It New Balance. My you were fashion, wearing? my fashion sense has yeah. ruined everything in in my life and st- yours too, apparently. Apparently, I still remember. <laughs> still kind of pisses me off. Not that you wore the shoes, <laughs> but that guy like wrote no, about. Yeah, it. that guy was an asshole. Yeah. It was stupid. <laughs> Uh, stupid that after all the music, he's like, these shoes aren't cool enough <laughs> for a radio show. Right. It was a radio thing we were doing. Right. Yeah, that was stupid. Dumb. Really dumb. But anyway, hey, this is going to be a flashback episode. We're finally... About our musical past. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All about our, our journey and failings in the mu- field of music career. Um, yeah. Which is the weirdest way I've ever said that. I don't know. I got tongue-tied. But um, anyway. You're too depressed about it. It still right. hurts. Yeah, it does hurt. You know, change out this water for a whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get about halfway through and then we'll. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, so we're going to do a, a flashback episode. We're finally getting around after some side excursions to Wolverine Year 10 Part 2. And we got, yes. a, got a few issues of Uncanny to cover, which um, we'll talk about more in detail as we get into it. But, but basically, they ruined Secret War for any X-Men fans. <laughs> kind of, but not fully. Well, I mean, to be fair, you, you know, if you listen to our last two episodes, Secret War has kind of ruined itself. But, <laughs> you know, whatever. Well, anyway, let's talk about some comics, huh? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Okay, so first up, we have Uncanny X-Men 181, Tokyo Story, is um, written by Chris Claremont, with art by John Romita Jr. and Dan Green, letters by Tom Orzakowski, colors by Glennis Ween, and the cover is also by John Romita Jr. Um, It's an interesting cover. It's Young Dragons in Love. And it's a big giant dragon head with Lockheed uh, shooting fire in his eyeball for some reason. And then we have a new like X-Men logo with the X-Men all chilling out on it. Yeah, super chill X-Men. Yeah, like Rogue's the, uh, leaning over the dash and Nightcrawler's uh, hanging upside down with his tail. I will uh, say... Xavier in the box. Oh yeah, with his new stupid costume. He looks too relaxed. Yes, he does. It looks like he's holding up a wall. Yeah. <laughs> 
I do like, because we get a new Colossus costume, but it's not quite the same one as the cover. I actually think the one on the cover is really cool. It's red and black. Yeah, it is kind of cool. Yeah, so I think the big dragon looks kind of cool. Lots of, like, line work. I think yeah. Lockheed looks stupid. Yes. His arms and legs look like something I would draw. Yeah, it very... Especially next to the dragon, which is drawn very detailed right. and elaborately. Yeah. And then you have what looks like a child drew a little Lockheed <laughs> with little baby arms and legs. Right. Yeah. That's his baby like his, doll arms. That's exactly right. Exactly. And then his legs look like a dog's legs. Yes. Like the way do. he's got the big... The big haunches. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Right. Well, so uh, basically... A, um, I also think... Hold on. Let me throw one more. Yeah. It's weird that the title... On the cover, it says Young Dragons in Love. Right. But then that's not the title of the story. It's called Tokyo Story. No, but Young Dragons in Love probably fits better. Yeah, that should have been the title. Tokyo Story doesn't mean anything. The fact that they're in Tokyo is 100% irrelevant. And they're not even in Tokyo the whole time. No. And Tokyo Story should be a musical about <laughs> some... Exactly. Oh, I guess actually they are in Tokyo the whole time. Uh, well, they're, they're in Japan. There's a flash to another place. Yeah. yeah. Or Japan, yeah. But anyway, yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It's just, that's a, that's a weird point. That they had two different titles, and they decided to go with Tokyo Story. But John Romita Jr. was like, screw that, I'm putting my Dragons in Love title on the front. <laughs> that's my assumption. I assume he pitched that, and they said no, and he was like, forget it, I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think so. Alright, so here's basically what we got. A big dragon poops out the X-Men from Secret Wars. They land in Japan. The dragon, of course, attacks Tokyo. The X-Men follow along to try to save Tokyo, and Sunfire shows up. Oh, by the way, Cyclops literally lands on Madeline Pryor. Yeah. That, that's a little sidebar. So Wolverine rescues Amiko, a Japanese child. Her mom dies, and he vows to keep her safe. Lockheed rejects the big dragon, and she flies off all dejected, and then they both vanish. Mariko sees the X-Men on TV and misses Wolverine. Epilogue. Senator Kelly introduces the Mutant Affairs Control Act. He's going to bring it before Congress. That's it. <laughs> There's several things we got to talk about in this. Yeah, all right. Well, so first of all, I want to point out, kind of due to our last uh, couple episodes, so this issue right here, where the dragon poops out the X-Men from Battleworld. Yeah. Came out the same month as Secret Wars number one. Yeah. So literally, Secret Wars number one is on the shelf at the same time that this story that is 12 issues later in Secret Wars time comes out now. Yeah. Which is a full year. A full year ahead of the conclusion. Because it season. wasn't like a two, what, twice a month nope. or... Nope, it was Full monthly. month, full yeah. one year long run of Secret Wars. And then we come back to this. Right. Which I think is why you have this weird, and I don't know if you, you thought this too, but I felt like they were being very vague about whether or not anybody even remembered what had happened in Secret Wars. Because they kind of have Storm say something like, I don't really remember what happened. But then well, they kind of say stuff no, like I they... Think, I think she only meant like she doesn't remember how they got, like she's not sure how they actually got home. Like, they were on Battleworld, and then suddenly they weren't, and now, you know, they're, they're with this big dragon that was literally barely in Secret Wars at all. Like, it literally, like, Lockheed went to the Battleworld. He disappeared. 
And then at the end, when everybody came home, he showed up with his dragon girlfriend. I was like, hey, let's go with him. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, this story happens. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just, I, I thought it was weird. I, you're right, it, it is not as, as vague as I, and as I, look, as I reread um, Storm's little soliloquy here. It's not yeah. as unclear as I thought, but it is still, which at the point, they're being vague about it because they haven't put it all out there, but right. I thought it was still kind of funny. So, first thing I want to say is I hate this Professor X suit. Yes, it's very stupid. And it's the one he gets on Battleworld and he brings it home. Because, yeah. you know, why not? <laughs> it looks like a really lame flight suit. Yeah, it does. It you know, like... actually, you know what it looks like? Have you seen, did you see that thing I posted about the uh, the X-Men if it was a Wes Anderson movie? Yes, I'd actually seen that before, yeah. This, this is the suit that they have in there. <laughs> They're all wearing yellow suits with little X straps. By the way, that's awesome. If people want to look for it on YouTube, just look up uh, Wes Anderson X-Men, and it's, it's a treat. Yeah. So I like, so there's so we start off with this panel that actually looks pretty nice art-wise. All these Japanese kids like staring up at the sky. And uh, yeah. they have a Dude. book of monsters that they've like. Cataloged. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. And the Hulk is in there. Yeah. And the X-Men are too. Yeah. They say later. Right. Even though it is a book of monsters. Exactly. Exactly. My only complaint about this panel the, is that as I look one? at that dragon head, the very first double spread panel. Oh, okay. Yeah. The one they show the full body of the dragon. Is the dragon has a beak, kind yeah. of? Yeah, pretty much. And so with the little fin on its head, it kind of looks like a chicken head. It does a little bit, or like a pterodactyl maybe, but not as long. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just thought it looked very chicken-heady for a dragon. Yes. But, but I guess it just I guess episode. it just depends on your particular dragon lore. I don't know. <laughs> I like my dragons with a gator head. <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, I just thought it was a funny point, or a funny way to draw a dragon, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. So big. It's very big. And apparently it grew in size from, from Battleworld. Um, and, that, and that's a completely random, unexplained point. Right. That it was a tiny dragon in, dragon, in uh, Battleworld, and then now it's a giant dragon in, a, yeah. in Earth. For, for Earth. no reason. No reason. There's not going to be a whole lot of highlights for me in this book, but one of them no. is uh, Wolverine's leadership internal monologue, talking yeah. about Storm and Professor X, and basically how... I thought that was interesting. I thought it was really cool because he basically says that, you know, Storm, like, to become a better leader, changed herself. Kind of like we talked about the last time we did an episode. Right. Kind of kind of when you get to the meat of why Storm has gone through this transformation, it's really cool. And Wolverine basically feels like that Professor X, by, like, usurping her authority, has basically said the change was for nothing. Like, like she made yeah. all these self-sacrifices <laughs> and whatever, and Professor X is like, ah, oh, poop on you. <laughs> Those changes are good for me to poop on. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I, I do think, though, I do think that Wolverine overreacts a little bit, though. And then I think it's not like anyone, everyone still sees Professor X as the, the final leader, like the real leader of everything. Right. He just hasn't been in the field. Right. And so. But now that I he has like legs, I mean, why it's not? It's true. Right? Yeah. He's got legs now. He's ready to go. He's got legs. Oh, I was about and to go. He knows there. how to use them. <laughs> He's got brains. He knows like how to use good, them too. <laughs> I feel like Wolverine. He's got a good point, but at the same time, it's he, he talks about it so dramatically, like 
Professor X is just destroying Storm's confidence. Right. And it's like, well, he's still Professor X. They defer to him on anything whenever he's around. <laughs> and so it's not that weird that he would, you know, over overrule her, her ruling. But I mean, I, you know, it's a good point. This is maybe a little overstated, I think. Yeah. I think, but right before that, though, I think there's a really important plot point. Oh, okay. When, when the, uh, I was being sarcastic. When the, <laughs> when the kid asks Professor X if he wants some tea, and I wrote in my notes, Japanese kids are more polite than American kids. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a little panel. They're like, look how polite these Japanese kids are. <laughs> That's funny. Is that true, Georgie? Let us know. Yeah. You, yeah, you spent you know. significant time in both places. I would, uh, I assume that American kids are ruder than any other kids in the world, but. Probably. Maybe not the French. Well, that's a good, that's a good point. But anyway, so not really an important plot point, but. No. But I thought funny. it was really funny, uh, because it seems really random. It's like, what would the, what's the point of that other right. than just wanting to make the point that this kid is going to offer Professor X tea? Well, she felt bad because he was in his gimp suit and he finally got out of the closet. <laughs> That was really weird. Well, then we get a nice uh, sidebar of Mariko talking to yeah. Silver Samurai and about how they're well, I think they they draw her older every time they draw her. <laughs> I feel like she's looking older and older every time they draw her in in a book. She started out looking really young. And yes, she did. Her first appearance. It's not supposed she to be any time later. Legal. She looks like she's sixty now. Yeah. Well, part of that's just Jr. Jr. Everybody looks a little bit older with him. So I like how Blase, the Japanese, are about the dragon attack. I, I, I really liked, I laughed out loud on that line. I LOL'd yeah. when that guy said. About the season, about it being out of season? No, he said, uh, why us? Why couldn't they have attacked Los Angeles? <laughs> I thought that was really funny. But yeah, the season as well. I also yeah, thought that was really funny. It's not even dragon season. <laughs> and they say, according to our uh Experts, all of the monsters on Monster Island are accounted for, which, yeah. which also just made me remember that at this time, Mar- I, I think it was this time, or maybe it just finished. But this is yeah. right around the time of Marvel publishing Godzilla comics. Oh wow, that's funny. So all the no monster tie-in. stuff was uh, more prevalent in the Marvel universe. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. But the season part of it is funny too because it makes it sound like it's for for Japan monsters are just like another natural disaster. Right. It's like, oh, it's hurricane season. Now it's monster season. Yeah. Hide in your bunkers. So I have no idea why Colossus is suddenly in a cast. He did not. I remember before that, remember his whole massive body injury was summed up by an arm cast. I remember that. But he, <laughs> right. it, it did not exist during Secret Wars. So That's funny. I guess coming back to Earth, he had to get his cast put back on. I don't know. I guess yeah. so. But that scene of him hitting something with the steel beam is a pretty cool scene. It is a pretty cool scene. That's actually a, that's a pretty decent panel exchange. I kind of like the uh, the dragon tearing the building, and then this all the the team flying. Although it doesn't one hundred percent make sense how that it would play out that way, but storm gush pushing them all on a gust of wind. I guess. I you know, I know it's something we is it's X Men war like and it's consistent. So I can't complain yeah. about it too much. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it does make sense because you see it in tornadoes and there's wind strong enough that can like move buildings and stuff like that. But right. it's just always really weird to me to see Colossus <laughs> flying around armored up on some wind. Yeah. Well, how heavy Wolverine's got to be. Right. And then also, well, it, if it is that way, 
it just seems weird that they would be able to keep it in formation. Like you would yeah. think like Professor X would be like, whoa, and like shoot off like into the atmosphere, <laughs> like with the wind that would be required to move Colossus and Wolverine. The Professor yeah. X would just be splattered against the sun or something. But Yeah, well in 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 in, in some costumes of Storm she has kind of the wings and stuff. Right. Which, you know, the way you think about it, well, she just has his winds, but she has these not wings, but capes or whatever, yeah. you know, that she can kind of move herself with. But she doesn't have anything here. No, so it's obviously so it just really the wind. There's no aerodynamics, nothing. Yeah. yeah. And then other times, there's people in the air, and she can't fly anybody more than herself, or she doesn't. Right. Yeah. Because we had, not too long ago, comics where she saves one person because she could grab them, and then yeah. everybody else fell. Yeah, but, who knows? Yeah, but it's a cool-looking panel. Yeah, I agree. And then that the Colossus smashing in and Storm throwing those rocks and stuff. That's all pretty cool. So what the hell is Cyclops wearing? Or I guess he's just Scott Summers when he's in these clothes. <laughs> Wait, we skipped over uh, Sunfire. Don't we need to talk about... Don't we need to use our usual complaint about how stupid Sunfire is? Well, he doesn't really do anything. He just kind of flies around and says, Hey, you guys He just can't... shows up and beats a jerk. He says, Y'all can't save up... Japan by yourselves. I'm the national hero. I'm a well, national... He shows up and he says, I'm disappointed in you, Xavier. <laughs> This is the first thing he says. I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> like, what have you been doing, Sunfire? A lot of stuff's happened in the X-Men comics that they've taken care of. Right. Anyway. Yeah. And yes, I don't know what Scott is wearing. He's wearing a cutoff or a uh, tank top, halter top, I mean. It barely covers his nipples. I mean, this, yeah. is, this is like a 80s Sports Illustrated model tank top. <laughs> even even for the eighties, this is a girly outfit. Yes, he's wearing super cut off jean or jean jorts. And, uh, yeah, jorts. Man, I don't know. I like how he arrives back and Madeline's all mad at him. Well, she's she's happy mad. She's happy mad, but it's yeah. very like she like she isn't asking him what happened, where did you go, what happened to you. It's just all I can't believe you left me. Right. It wasn't my fault. I was worried sick. Still, I was worried. Don't you understand? But it's okay. They hug it out. Uh, The scene of Storm making a storm looks really awesome. Yeah. And the way John Romita Jr. draws a mohawk, like kind of folding over in the wind, looks really Uh cool. That was really cool. I like that the trees ripping out of the ground, too, was really cool. Yeah. The panel of of Fast Wolverine also looks pretty awesome. Yeah. It looks like the Flash. It does. Yeah, kind of. With a Birdman helmet. Right. (laughs) That was such a good movie. Great movie. Yep. So when Wolverine saves Amiko, which that'll come into play, we'll get more of that later. But I like how the shadow, like the Wolverine shadow on the wall, looks pretty cool. And again, I really like the way John Romita Jr. draws his cow, though not necessarily straight on. From the side, it looks really cool. When he does close-ups on the eyes and stuff, it looks really cool. When he yeah. draws it straight on, it gets a little fat head. But yeah, I agree. It's a little too wide sometimes. Yeah, I think it's weird—not weird, maybe—but it's interesting that Wolverine makes such a specific point to save this child and really push the idea that he's going to have her raised. Because I thought all the all the death that they're around. This can't be the first time there was ever an orphan child or soon-to-be orphan child that they came upon. Yeah, I don't and know. And so I thought it was interesting that it's like, why why this particular child does he suddenly take? And not just like, a, I'll take care of her or I'll get her somewhere safe, but a very specific promise that he's going to have her raised as his own. 
Yeah, that was an interesting escalation of what Wolverine yeah, usually does. I don't does. know if it's because of the intimacy of the death scene. Like he's, like, he's not just someone dying off to the side. He's literally like yeah, holding the mom's hand as she dies. You know, I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, I don't know. It's good though, and it does not. It's not that it's out of Wolverine's character. It's a right. It's a very interesting twist. And we have the dragon again. Oh, hey, get it? The dragon lady gave Lockheed her hearts. Yeah. Clever, <laughs> clever, Claremont. Very clever. I thought that was really kind of dumb. No, this whole because, dragon story is bullshit. It's garbage. Well, yeah, yeah, but 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 specifically <laughs> the fact that they really they really do some serious personification to these two animals by talking about this depth of relationship, right? That they had yeah, and they gave each other their hearts, yeah, and then about how Lockheed never wanted it. Which is a really weird, like, what? why do we need all of this dragon love drama? I thought it was very strange. Yeah, it is strange. All right, were you ready to skip to the letters page? <laughs> <laughs> um, but Sunflower, Sunflower, Sunflower. Sunfire is a, he's a jerk again one more time. <laughs> oh, and the scene in the dragon shadow flying over the hillside looks really cool. Yes, that is cool. It's too small, though. That should have been a bigger panel. Yes, it should have been. That should I think like that a, would have been a lot cooler. Like at least half a page. Yeah. But Lockheed, I like how Lockheed's got his, his uh, arms crossed. Like he's all mad about what's happened here. <laughs> I think the most interesting part of the comic is the very last, the epilogue here. Yeah, definitely. Where they, they we bring in the Mutant uh, Affairs Control Act, kind of introduce yeah. that. Senator Kelly, that, that's definitely going to be big time story stuff later. You know, so you just a little epilogue, that's fine. So uh, Wolverine answers the letters page as thoroughly as ever. Nice. There is one really cool response that I kind of wanted to bring attention to. Someone talks about Storm's leadership, and uh, Wolverine answers the letter. He says, I don't much like what's happening to Storm either, Melissa. I got to admit, she's getting better and better at running the team. To be honest, gal, I don't always like what's changed in me the past few years either. My life was a flaming lot easier when I didn't have to worry about questions of honor and duty. In those days, I had an itch. I scratched it. Like I'm a junk. <laughs> I wanted something. I took it. Simple, straightforward, no hassles. Being around Aurora and later Miko, because Mariko is too many syllables for me to say, made me realize there was more to life than that. They held out a promise. Excuse me. Wolverine voices hurt my throat. <laughs> they held out a promise of something better, and I went for it. Sometimes, I wish I hadn't. Now Storm is going through some kind of change. And hopefully, out of all that emotional chaos, will come a rising and advancing of her spirit. It's like temper and steel, alternately heating and cooling the metal, hammering it into shape. The process is pure agony, but what results from it is far stronger, tougher, and more resilient than before. I know I am. Let's hope Storm does the same. <laughs> That's pretty funny, too. I like oh, the one where he, uh... let's watch your step, fella. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he also thanks the readers for all his... Uh... Wedding well wishes. <laughs> wah, wah. Oh, wah, wah. That's really funny. So I thought the art was decent. Yeah. I gave the story a no thanks. Yeah. There are a few good character things, but the dragon part literally blows fire. Yeah. And I kind of feel like, or I literally feel like, that uh, Claremont told Jim Shooter he needed a dragon to go at the end of Secret Wars. I got this really sweet dragon story I got to tell. So, I know it doesn't make any sense, but at the end of Secret Wars, can you have a dragon show up? Thanks, man. Yeah. 
or maybe the flip of that, and Jim Shooter said, dude, there's going to be a dragon, and it's going to follow the X-Men, and it's going to end up wherever you want. So when you do 181, you do something with a dragon. Right. I just want to imagine, there's got to be some fans, you know, some hardcore X-Men fans that love this issue. Uh, Our grade, or my grade anyway, is going to show that I didn't necessarily. Yeah. I want to know, I want to know the poor kid who read this, and read 12 issues of Secret Wars waiting to see this badass dragon that literally shows up in the like the last two panels <laughs> of a 12-issue series. Some dragon aficionado. Right. He's like, yes, finally! You know, he's got like the dragon, like the dragon statue with the glass crystal ball in its claw like, in his room. He, w- he wasn't going to buy Secret Wars, and he's like, right. well... Well, there's a dragon in it. I guess I'll get the yeah, whole 12 issue and, run. And only one issue's out. I can catch up and just read along. He's like, damn it, where's the dragon? One year later, he's like, what? <laughs> That's it? <laughs> oh, brother. Oh, right. So much for that kid. Yeah. So when are you going to grade uh, Uncanny X-Men 181? The art is pretty good. Yeah, it's not but bad. Even even the although there's a couple of good panels, I don't care about really anything that's happening. Nope. So I I only give it a two. Yeah, same same for me. Two out of six claws for me on a uh, Uncanny X Men one eighty one. And that's mostly just art. Yeah. So just real quick before we jump to one eighty three because we are going to skip one eighty two because Wolverine's not in it. But I just want to kind of just so we can get, keep up with the X timeline. Basically, this is a Rogue solo issue. And uh, it's her encountering an agent, Rossi, or Rossi, who used to work with Carol Danvers. And so it makes the Carol Danvers side of her come out. And that kind of kicks off that whole insane conflict of her not knowing whether she's really rogue or really Carol or like both or whatever. And it does. We have a, a cool Wolverine mention. Then it mentions that Wolverine and Rossi are the people that rescued Carol from the KGB, which we've had hints of that before when Carol showed up with Wolverine. Yeah. about their past, so it kind of gives a little more insight into that. So that's why nice. I kind of bring that up. Even though Wolverine's not in there, he still is involved. So um, He's still there, even when he's not there. That's right, yeah, that's Wolverine. There you go. Alright, so we're going to skip over to Uncanny X-Men 183. Cameron, what do we got here? 183, okay. We have He'll Never Make Me Cry. <laughs> yeah. Name of that title. That, that's a lie. That is true. Absolutely true. Okay, so we got Chris Claremont, John Romita Jr., Dan Green, Tom Wojciechowski, Glennis Wine. Yep. Same, exact same lineup as last time, so nothing changed exact here. Exact same people. Okay, so I'm still working on my uh, shorthand summaries well, that's that you fine. do. Let's, uh, let's talk about the cover real fast. <clears throat> okay. Just kidding. Yes, the cover is pretty good cover. Yeah, I like it. I like uh, the, the um, juggernaut. That's a good cut. You've got his neck, hand around Colossus's neck. Yeah, so Colossus, Colossus and Juggernaut are duking it out, having a bar fight as a Wolverine and Nightcrawler drink in the background. Exactly. Although I do not like the way Wolverine is drawn. No, I don't know either. Because he looks like the uh, the blonde BG. <laughs> if you made his hair blonde right in that picture. <laughs> okay. Something about the way he's standing and the way he looks. I feel like he looks like... Uh, What's that, what's that guy's not? Not Barry Gibbs, the other one. I don't know. The one that died. Yeah. Andy Gibb. Anyway, the one that sang high. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> the one that Justin Timberlake plays when they do him on SNL. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what I don't know what about that makes me think yeah. of him, but for some reason it did. 
Uh, hey, yeah, it's a good cover. The Colossus like reminds us that real men wear pink. That's right. He's got a big old pink shirt on. Yep, although I don't think he has a pink shirt in the comic. No, no, it's a, it's a cover splash of color. Yeah, it's actually a yellow shirt, and the cover's yellow. So for some reason, I guess, instead of making the cover pink and his shirt yellow, they went the other way. Yeah, I guess so. All right, so what happens in 183 here? Okay, so we start off with Colossus and Kitty sitting on a hilltop somewhere where Colossus is debating exactly how he's going to break this sad love news to Kitty, and then he just rips off the Band-Aid. Flat <laughs> out says it. And then a few minutes later, he gets even harsher uh, to where I physically felt the need to go, damn, bro, <laughs> because it was so harsh and intense. So it's like, man, he's like, should I make this easy on Kitty? No, I love someone else. <laughs> and she's dead. <laughs> I'll never love you the same. It was rough. So Kitty cries. Uh, then Rogue gets suicidal in the danger room, a la what we talked about for 182. Right. Uh, then Wolverine decides to get all big brother on Colossus. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Nightcrawler decides to referee. Yeah. Then we have Valerie and an undercover Mystique on their way to see Forge. Yeah. Looking for Forge, some who we haven't met technology. yet, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is uh, the first time he's ever... Is the first time he's ever mentioned? Yeah. Oh, yep. okay. He gets mentioned before he gets seen. Yeah, for some reason I was thinking they had they had talked about him before, but I guess not. I don't <clears> think <throat> so, but maybe, possibly. Yeah, you're probably right. But either way, they're on their way to see Forge. Hey, where does Forge live? Dallas. Dallas, Texas. I know, I, I also wrote Big D in my, uh, <laughs> my notes when I saw the uh, reunion tower. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's like for really quick. So then we go back to Wolverine. In a great moment where Wolverine <laughs> threatens to spank Colossus. <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed we'll we don't get that scene. <laughs> I you, know, know. you know how movies have like, you know, cut scenes? I yeah. hope somewhere in John Romita Jr.'s personal studio, there's a panel where he actually drew Wolverine spanking <laughs> Colossus. I would like to see that too. Although Colossus would then just armor up and so it wouldn't really matter. Right. But still. So. Uh, so then Colossus gets into a bar fight, what turns it with who turns out to be Juggernaut. Yeah. A somewhat drunk Colossus gets into a bar fight with Juggernaut. <laughs> uh, then Logan shames Colossus after the fight's over about the way Colossus treated Katie. Uh, and then in an epilogue type thing, Juggernaut, the lady Juggernaut was hitting on, ends up draining a guy with a beard. Celine. <laughs> draining his blood because she's some goddess of some kind. Right. She's terrible. Yes. It was a very bizarre moment. Okay, that's my Cliff Note version. All right. Now, this this one is better. Oh, it's a lot better. I like this issue a this lot. Is a, this oh. has got some good stuff in it, so we, we can spend a few minutes, I think. Yeah. Well, so here here's some more Secret Wars ruining situation. <laughs> so, <clears throat> first of all, this Saji or whatever the alien girl is that Colossus falls in love with and then loses. Yeah. And I say air quote falls in love with. I'm actually pretty much a Wolverine on this one. Yeah, I agree. So this girl has barely been introduced in Secret Wars by this point because this comes out at the same time as Secret Wars issue number two. Not only that, at this point in Secret Wars, she's in love with Human Torch. <laughs> so 
Love triangle. Not only do we not know about Colossus' relationship yet, we don't know how it ends. But now, if you're reading X-Men, you know that this poor alien girl dies. And yeah. she's barely even had any, like, comic time yet. You already know she's dead. I, I, I don't know. It's just really stupid to, to me. And also... This, is, this will be a running... Why did they do that? Yeah, exactly. For the next for the next year, it'll be a whole <laughs> lot of... Why did they do that? <laughs> and also... All right. So the fact that a sad Colossus's Secret War love story was complete and utter bullshit... I prefer I, emo Colossus. But. Okay, yeah, whatever. The fact that that story sucked really robbed some of the emotional impact of this story for me. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like, I think otherwise, the Colossus Kitty breakup could have been kind of powerful, except for the fact that I don't buy the love story that is the impetus of it. Yeah. Well, makes, I think it makes, makes it, it really worse. Hard. It makes it even worse for the reader, the current this time reader, who wouldn't have read any of the story about their love story. Right. In Secret Wars, this meant nothing. And yes. to, to end such an important running love story over something that hasn't happened yet that you haven't read about with a character that you barely know anything about, if you're even reading Secret Wars. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but a, Jim Shooter said it has to end now. Yeah. <laughs> no more in this. And the way it. Colossus h- handles it makes it even worse. Right. Because he's such an asshole about it. Definitely. Definitely is. Instead of. Uh, yeah. I, was, I, want, I want to read this just really quick. I, I, I was like, what? Because it's literally, um, what does he say? He says, a lovely day. She says, sure is. He says, how do I tell her when I know it will break her heart? I met someone else we fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, wait a second. You were just thinking about how you can ease her into this. And then he's just like, I bet someone else will be all in love. And then a few minutes later, he says, where I where I really did say, damn, bro. Oh, when he says as much as, he's talking about how much he loves her, and he says, Yeah, where is it? As much oh, yeah. as you once did. Yeah. He says, I'm sorry for your loss, Peter. She must have meant the world to you as much as you once did. And once? And she says, once. The movie when Glenn has it? Gosh, come on, Colossus. You were just like cutting this off. Not even pretending to let her down gently. No. This is, this is like just a step above texting, texting this to her. <laughs> uh, he couldn't break Although up with her least, over. I guess at least he took her out to a, to to, a cliff somewhere. To a make-out bluff? Yeah. Which, by the Watch, way, where Watching the they? sunset? Because oh. they're presumably in Westchester, New York. And so where is yeah, this Yeah, they're big... back from Japan, so... <clears throat> This is somewhere on the Atlantic. Maybe they went. Or maybe there's an island. Maybe it's or like a lake, I guess. But it's yeah. so wavy. It looks like the ocean. It does look like the ocean. I don't know. And neither of them can fly. It's like we bought it when Jean Grey took Colossus up to the top of a mountain Cyclops? thing. What? Cyclops, yeah. Or, she took or him was up she to the... taking all the X-Men up there? Oh, I don't <laughs> what know. A but the fact that she could take people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Neither of them can take anyone anywhere. And so they've... <laughs> They've presumably driven somewhere so that he could say this to her. So yeah, long. so now they got to go home. <laughs> and they got to drive back. Now, I'm assuming in weird comic book geography, this is somewhere on the school grounds. Yeah, I, w- I would guess so. It doesn't make sense but for yes. it to be. But. I like that, so shortly after that, I like that Kitty walks by and sees Storm looking at her. I like that Storm kind of shares my feelings and says, oh, 
if Colossus is going to be such a dick, we should have just left him on Battleworld. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I like how she's she's like, you know, I'm, uh, I can handle it. You know, she's going to be good. Well, and I think, you know, we've talked about some of the ways they've handled Kitty and is she or is she not really a teenager? Yeah. And I think the scene between her and Storm when they actually talk is pretty perfect. Yeah. And it kind of sums up, like, what they're actually trying to do with Kitty. And I thought it actually, like, made sense for a teenage girl to, like, you know, I hate him. I love him. I don't know. You know, like, it just, that yeah. felt very natural and real to me. Even, even in the super wordy Claremont version, it still just came off as really impactful. And that yeah. part, like, you believe. Like, as much as I don't believe the whole Colossus thing, like, the pain yeah. that Kitty feels about it and then sharing it with Storm, like, that came off as just really real. And They're doing a really good job with Kitty, yes. but not a good job with Colossus, which I think is, is kind of the, the problem with the story. Is that Kitty's coming on? Not even like a, he comes off like a jerk, and she comes off mature, but just like the the, the personalities of Finn. It's like for Kitty, we're getting a better feeling of her real character. But for Colossus, this is an, an aberration of how he normally ever is. Yes. And so it's like, what what's going on, man? What are you doing? Well, yeah, and I think is uh, to to reference our past couple episodes uh, during the Secret Wars stuff. Uh, Jack said that uh, basically the way Colossus was treated during that series, and I agree, was like almost a, a character assassination. And I feel like Claremont's trying his best to fix it, but I don't know I how do fixable it is. Like, I think it literally takes a long time. You just kind of have to sweep Secret Wars Colossus under the rug and eventually just forget it ever happened, and that's the only way to fix Colossus. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I thought yeah. it was interesting that she goes and seeks comfort from Colossus's sister. I thought that was interesting. Well, they're best friends. That's got to be yeah. weird and awkward, too. It does. But, I, you know, I thought that, you know, friendship, teenage friendship, I, I think it uh, it worked. Because you believed her, you believe her relationship with Ileana as well. Yeah, that, that I agree. Good I, friends, and so... I feel like yeah, Kitty's portrayal in this issue <laughs> was pretty awesome to, yeah. overall. I, th- this, you know, we talked about how... It, when she first came on, she was really cool. And then some of the past few issues, you're kind of like, oh, why is she one of my favorite X-Men? And then this issue kind of like re- reminds you, like, oh, okay, there's a lot yeah. to her. Like, there's a reason right. she stands out as a really good character. I agree. So uh, what was the drinking age in 1984? Uh, it should have been 20. I think it's 21. Well, it depends on where you are. Okay. I don't know in New York. Well, because they say that Colossus is nearly 20, and the yeah. bartender's like, cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I don't like he's may, old, he's old enough to drink. I'm thinking Maybe it must it have been. I just... That's hard for me to think about. <laughs> I thought they were making a... Well, were they saying that they were, he was serving a minor? Was that what they are going for? No, he doesn't say cool. No, he goes, you look too young to drink. And he says, I'm nearly 20, and then he gives him a drink. No, he says, got proof... And that's, and we don't know after that. Well, the Nightcrawler says Peter's being carded. Yeah. But then Colossus still gets served alcohol. Oh, and Wolverine says, so what? He's legal. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. So I just thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, I thought maybe they were making a play about him being Russian and the drinking age being a lot lower there. <laughs> yeah, spot him being confused. <laughs> him being like confused, like I'm old enough to drink. What's the deal? Yeah, but right. in America, in America, I was breastfed on vodka. <laughs> 
in America, drinking age eats you. <laughs> Try <Okay>. again. <laughs> I was trying to react. Yeah, it's no good. No good. Yakov Shmuenov only works. It only works sometimes. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah. But let's let's uh, let's back up and talk about the rogue stuff for a second. Oh, okay. We're not we're not out of order. I mean, we're storylines, but you're out of order. Like, out of order. Yeah, this kind of weird rogue aberration. Although it's not that weird. It's it's almost like I don't really know why they felt like they needed to do this right now, other than just to connect the previous issue with this one. Yeah, I think so. I I think they didn't want to leave you hanging. Yeah. This, this story didn't really have room for Rogue, but they're like, uh, we need to do something to show that she like came and back to the school. It is two pages. Yeah. Two pages where she turns the danger room on attack. The machine attacks her. But then it doesn't stop, and they don't really explain what happened. Storm zapped it with um, what looks like no. plasma. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, yeah, I not know one why of her stopped, powers. But why did it, when she turned it oh. off, why did it not stop? I don't, I don't know that either. It seemed like they were getting into a, oh no, the danger room's becoming a live story like they'd done multiple times. Right. But then Storm blows it up, and that's the end of it. And I thought, well, wait, there was some major malfunction in the danger room. <laughs> yeah. Should, should because, we talk about this, maybe? <laughs> Exactly. Well, she she tries to hit the in button and it doesn't, and it's like, well, that teenagers go in there and train, right? And so something serious has gone on the well, danger. Yeah, and the that, new mutants like, go in there sometimes too, don't they? Yeah, they have them in there later. Yeah. Or they talk about it being in there anyway. But yeah, so I I thought that was weird that it's like something happened, but they didn't really address that. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm if I'm missing something about the way it was the structure. No, that, I I think. They just, I don't, I don't even really know why they did that, to be honest. I guess just to add some drama to the danger room session that Rogue was, you know, in real danger. Yeah, danger room. I do, danger but I do room. like when uh, Storm basically says, in these great purple pants and high heel 80s boots, <laughs> great little outfit here, real Tina Turner look. Yeah. And then she says, uh, basically, she calls Rogue being, you know, says, you're acting like a mad woman. And Rogue shouts, I am a mad woman. <laughs> I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and then that's it. Then she yeah. storms off. Leave me alone. Yep. So now we're back to Wolverine, Big Brothering, Colossus. Yeah, so one of the things we also talked about in our Secret Wars episode, I hate to keep bringing that up, but I feel like this is all so so closely related to all those yeah. story beats. Yeah, Your so, listeners are going to be like, fine, I'll go back and listen to it. Again, for the fourth time, whatever. <laughs> I have to keep listening to it to hear all these points. Right. But, um, but no, so Jim Shooter basically took all these characters and did whatever he wanted to and didn't pay attention yeah. to what was going on. Because this Wolverine was not in Secret Wars. This Wolverine is like, maybe he's overstepping his boundaries a little bit, but his intentions at least are mostly noble. And he is kind well, of being trying to be a big brother to both Colossus and Kitty. Yeah. Like, kind of walk this fine line. But in the Secret Wars, he defends what Colossus does. Interesting. He's like, oh, you know, they'll be in love, whatever. And Nightcrawler is the one that has to be like, well, what about Kitty? Or, I'm sorry, Voss about Kitty. <laughs> and Wolverine's like, eh, whatever. But then now, this is more true, I feel like, to Wolverine's character. This kind yeah, of yeah, I agree. It's weird. It's a weird flip, and I think maybe you could argue that part of it is more the way Colossus handled it that pissed Wolverine off, 
Okay. That bothered him more right. than just Colossus falling in love. Right. And so I think you could, you know, I agree that this is more in character than the Secret Wars, but I think it, it still kind of fits in the idea that, you know, Colossus, like we said, he, he's really a jerk. And so right. Wolverine's got to get in there and, and mix it up a little. Yeah. <laughs> like a Nightcrawler teleports into the car, into the back seat. <laughs> right. Oh, and we forgot to mention, Kenny is packing to leave. And that'll tie in directly to our next flashback episode, the uh, Kitty and Wolverine miniseries. But while she's packing, Lockheed's on her bookshelf, and he's shooting fire at her bed. So I'm assuming what we don't see is after we turn the page and Kitty and Storm walk out of the room, is that the whole mansion catches on fire. (laughs) It's burning his mother down. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in her Bumblebee shirt. That's a scarf, Bumblebee scarf. Or is it a shirt? I, I think know. it's a sweater. Okay. That doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, so... All so, I can do is read a book to stay away. <laughs> also, take a look at this. In They've shown this picture twice. In the background of Kitty's room, there's a big framed photo of a guy with sunglasses and a little tiny mustache. Is that Tom Selleck? I don't know, but they've shown that picture twice in this comic. What was the other one? That, uh, when when uh, Ileana's hugging her, it's on the wall oh, there yeah. too. Although it's smaller in that picture That's than it true. is on the it other grew. one. It's got to be Tom Selleck, right? Yeah. When I first saw it up there, I thought it was. Uh, when I first saw it in the early version, it's smaller, and so I thought that it was. Um, it was. Uh, oh, I forgot his name. Burt Reynolds. I'll think of it in a minute. Yeah, maybe. No, it was, it was somebody. Uh, Bronson Pinchot. <laughs> Stranger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why would anyone have a picture of him? And he's That's awesome. Really what was his catchphrase? Oh. I don't remember it at all. We used Bounty to love that. We used to watch that show at your house all the time. Yeah, I don't know. It was a good show. I love that show. That's one of those shows that, that does not hold up. So I, I would imagine shows. not, yeah. The, you know, Full House, those shows, I, I just, they do not hold up. They are yeah. not fun to watch. <laughs> no offense if you're a big fool. They still show Full House on Nickelodeon all the time. Oh, so all the time. Like, Ethan's been watching some lately. Does he? But yeah. I, I just, I've watched it and I'm just like, I just, I do not enjoy this. It's not like, because a lot of like the 70s and early 80s sitcoms, I think, are still funny. Like They're a little smarter and not quite as sterile. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good uh, point. A lot of those eighty late, it was mid to late eighties sitcoms and early, especially early nineties sitcoms, were just right. so formulaic. My favorite part about Full House, an episode we saw recently, is after Uncle Jesse has the the kids, the twins. Yeah. You know, and this, the whole thing is about him like trying to be a musician. That's like his stick. Um, <laughs> I think I saw this one. To be Elvis. So so after his kids, like I guess for their first birthday or whatever, he writes a song and makes a music video for them like as a tribute to them yeah but the song's like this really like sweet ballad but in the video like you have this intermingled scenes of like like the home movies of the kids like running around doing stuff and then him like either naked or shirtless rolling around in a bed (laughs) (laughs) like with the sheets censoring him (laughs) yeah that's really funny wow this is really inappropriate How, how did this even get on TV but, I don't know. I don't know. It's very weird. 
Well, anyway, to the to the bar fight, I thought Wolverine's Sento vision looked really cool. The way Romina drew too. that. I thought that was really cool. All right, so you help me out. The body mind. Yeah, it, it kind of looked like, almost like a Daredevil type thing, but it was yeah. like him tracing the scent of the Juggernaut. All right, so yeah. you got to help me on this because I'm having trouble remembering. Was the Juggernaut invulnerable in his human form? I mean, I know he's unstoppable and invulnerable when he has the helmet on. But I thought I the whole idea of all the old X-Men stories was the way... In fact, doesn't he even say it in this issue? That you always beat me by ripping off my helmet and knocking me out. Or no, yeah. I'm sorry, that's not. That's another news story. Never mind. Um, yeah. No, like, I, 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 I wrote that down too. Because that's one of the things that's always weird about Juggernaut is that the... the the story is that he's just a regular dude. Right. He's big. He's but big he's and he's strong. Dude. Yeah, like he can, he, can he puts the kick hell our asses, but powerful, but not take on Colossus big. Well, not have a building collapse on him. Like right. That's that's straight up Juggernaut, but he's not. But that happens a lot. I mean, that, that often happens in comics. Whenever he's not in his suit, he's still really powerful. But the story always is maintained that he's just, he's not a mutant or anything. He's just a guy. Right. That has a helmet. Yeah, and when you take the helmet off and punch him in the face, that's how you beat the Juggernaut. And so the right, fact that he's going reason, blow Coloss- to blow with Metal Colossus in his right. purely human form. Sense. It does not make sense. So let, let's say he had taken Celine home and she wasn't an evil energy life force sucking witch. Yeah. When they, when they get down to Hanky Panky, does he say, I'm the Juggernaut, bitch. Is that what is that his so. is that his uh, his orgasm phrase? <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> Something about juggernaut. Juggernaut. I'm an unstoppable force. <laughs> yeah, unstoppable force. But he's so big, I can't imagine that a normal sized woman would ever go home with him because his hands are like the size of a human torso. Right. <laughs> So well, especially, he has, like, really big fist in this one, right before he rips up the bar and hits Colossus with literally the whole bar. Yeah. That top scene where he's punching into Colossus and crushes the bar, his hand yeah. is bigger than his head. Yeah. Yeah, it's massive. And so I don't know why he thinks anyone would go home with him. That's not some kind of power, powerful person. Right. I would like to throw in there before we get too past this, I like how in the bar, you almost can never see Nightcrawler's face. That was really actually cool, I thought. It's always in I shadow. Really like, yeah. I really like the panel where you can see Wolverine and the cigarette, and then it's Nightcrawler with the little ship. You know, He's got the little um, dock worker toboggan on. Yeah. You just see his eyes. It's just an outline. I thought that was yeah, really cool. Yeah, that was really cool. I agree. And then later, there's a couple of more scenes where, again, you just can't see his face at all. I guess they're highlighting that it's really dark in this bar. Well, right. And maybe, I don't know, are they going back, are they going back to the whole he disappears in the shadow thing? <laughs> I don't know. But it's really cool. I, I thought it was really cool. So I agree. I thought this whole bar fight was pretty sweet. Yeah. And I kind of like Wolverine and Nightcrawler hanging back and letting Colossus take his medicine, <laughs> so to speak. I'm sorry. Let me, let me uh, let's back up a good bit because I, I took some notes that I forgot to mention. Okay. That I think are, Lay them on worth me. Mentioning. Uh, one that's not really worth mentioning, but since we're going back, I'll mention it anyway. <laughs> okay. I said. Good I disclaimer. Said that, uh, Rogue says she doesn't want anybody's pity, but she's acting really pitiful. 
True. Else kind of thing. True. Uh, but more important than that. The, uh, the two the thing I was going to mention, and so in the little scene which we didn't really talk about in Dallas where with Valerie and Mystique, I thought they talked about the, uh, the Cold War and the Soviets, and they talk about mutant assets. I thought that was really interesting. Oh, you're right. That was. That was. Like, the whole that idea of, like, we need to weaponize the mutants. Yeah, so I thought about, like, Omega Red. Because he's not – is Omega Red out yet? Oh, no, no, not for – That's a lot later, Not for right? years and years. Okay, that's – I thought – I was thinking he was a much later character. Uh, it made me think of him. I think isn't that the Claremont and Jim Lee X Men? That's his first appearance, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. But yeah, so I, I thought about that. I thought that's an interesting um, element to that, especially in light of referencing back to the mutant affairs bill that we just talked about. The idea that there are people who want to register them to protect humans from them, but then you also have this kind of side aspect of the government. That also right. wants to weaponize them, right? Which, of course, you know, Wolverine is, is of course the embodiment of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and so the idea that they're going to keep doing that was interesting, and that Forge is going to help them find uh, find more mutants. I thought that was interesting. And then I also thought in that scene where Kitty and Storm were talking together, I really liked where is it where she says where Kitty says, I can't stop crying, Aurora, but I'll die before I let Peter see my tears. He yeah. doesn't deserve them, and I don't care how unfair that sounds. And I thought that was really cool. I, I, did really know. Cool. I thought that whole conversation between Kitty and Storm, like I said, was pretty, pretty perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I meant to mention that line because I thought, I thought that, self, that specifically was such a good line. Right. And since we all, are, we all hate Colossus now, so... <laughs> I'll like him again. He'll come back around, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, now, he's 21st just, century, we all love He's in an unfortunate but... plot circumstance. Yeah, it happens, it happens. Well, especially then, now okay. that we know exactly how old everybody is. So now we know Kenny's 14 and he's almost 20. Yes. And so that's what's really weird about all of this, is that you agree the relationship is inappropriate, but you hate Colossus for the way he ends it. Yeah. And it's one of those weird things like, yes, it needs to end, at least until later when they're both, you know, older. And like we've talked about before, their ages kind of get compressed together <laughs> right. over yeah. time. But as well, a state, you know, the idea here is they're, they're basically five to six years apart in age. Right. And so once you're in your 20s and 30s, that doesn't mean that much. Right. But, but yeah, but it is weird because they, they've already basically they basically already said that they were not going to be together. Right. And so this is what makes it that much worse that it's like Colossus is, I don't know. And it's like, it's just such a weird way. Here's, for what, here's what I think. I think instead of Jim Sheeter saying, Chris, you got to break these guys up. And Chris saying, eh, I don't know. And Jim Sheeter saying, okay, well, I'm going to do it in Secret Wars. So deal with, <laughs> deal with it because I don't like it. And then Chris Claremont has to be like, oh, well, shit, I got to pretend this whole alien girl actually existed and, and mess with that and then do it before it even happens. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> um, bypass all that and just have Colossus realize that, you know what? I'm too old for you right now. And we, we've talked about, we've, because they've recognized that. And in the past, you know, after yeah, a they've kid, already said that. Yeah, but I after mean, a kid, he like, literally like volunteered to be, be a Morlock slave to save Colossus. And they talked about how they loved each other, but maybe it's not right, and let's wait. 
And right. so you can do two things. You can just kind of ignore it and just kind of let it fizzle out. And, you know, while they're waiting, other things happen, like Doug Ramsey. Yeah. With Kitty. Or Colossus finds someone else on Earth that actually makes sense for him to fall in love with. Right. Um, or even, it can be in space. X-Men fall in love with space people. Just make it not right. someone stupid. Um, yeah. Who immediately dies. Right. Yeah. Or the other option is Colossus can just kind of cowboy up and say, instead of waiting, let's just say maybe someday, but let's live our lives. Yeah. You know, I'm, and, and, break, and he still breaks up with her and it still hurts. And not only that, Kitty can still do all these same things she does because right. she still, quote unquote, gets dumped and it still breaks her heart. And so all of this for Kitty is still valid, but then Colossus isn't such a heel. Yeah. Like his motivations make sense. And even though you don't want to see Kitty hurt, like he's actually kind of doing the right thing. Whereas the way they right. did it here, maybe the end result is the right thing because, you know, you don't have a 20 year old with a 14 year old. <laughs> but, right. well, but, here, but the way he does it is just terrible. Yeah. Because here he basically cheats on her. Right. And, and then it, breaks it off abruptly. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think you're probably right about Chris Claremont maybe feeling painted into a corner about this. Yes. And just kind of, this is going to happen, and so he's got to deal with it. But he's got another story that he wants to tell, and so he does it quickly. And, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know why he didn't. It seems like, I mean, he's in charge of the book, so it seems like he could he could have played it out a little bit longer. Right. He could have dealt with it. I mean, he had he had twelve issues to get it straightened out before we even knew what happened. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and even then, it's like I can't imagine that this was all immediately now. You know, in two months between one eighty one and one eighty three. Yeah. Or no, I mean, I mean one eighty one eighty and one eighty one. There's a one month between that when Secret Wars comes out. Right. Or whatever. It, we timeline. But the point of that is it's a short distance, and I guess what I'm trying to get at is I, I would imagine Chris Claremont would have known about this earlier, and so he could have feasibly started this process before Secret Wars even began. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure with Jim Shooter that happened. Yeah, you're, you're right. As I say that, I, I, I think that I may be, I'm probably wrong about he that. Was, he was not known to be the best uh, yeah. editor-in-chief when he was at Marvel. So. This probably was a. This got dropped on him, and so yeah, do something with it, and so he did what he could. Yeah, maybe you know we've kind of complained about the timeline. Maybe he did this so early and ruined stuff on purpose. It's kind of like to, <laughs> to get back and like having it forced would, on him. I would really like that. If I would that was too. The case. And all of this, all of these times when we're like, why did they do that? It's all Chris Claremont's being passive aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> The answer to all of this is a passive-aggressive attack on Jim Shooter and the Secret Wars saga. That's awesome. I I that hope that's really true. Funny. Yeah, yeah, I hope true. so too. Right. Well, um, all my complaints aside, I actually really love this issue. Yeah, it's a it's a really good issue. Like a lot. Um, I thought all the I mean, even with the crappy Colossus, all the other character moments are really strong. I agree. We have some of our under, like our backstory, like you said, is really interesting. Kind of the little, the little sidebars, you know, the rogue thing. Yeah. I don't know, but at least, at least we're still advancing her kind of descent into madness. 
the daydream part was kind of weird, but at least what's happening with her is yeah. cool. Um, yeah, they just, they, like you said, I think they don't want to leave people hanging. Right. And I get that, especially when you do a standalone issue. It, you, you almost have to reference at least a little bit, I would, I guess. And, you know, that, that's, at least that's why I would think so. Yeah. So um, I'm going to give Uncanny X-Men 183 six out of six claws. Yeah. Um, I am too. Wow. All right. I am too. So six an, out of six an, is, is an a awesome little issue. tough for me. But, All right. Yeah. So real fast before we move on, I did not tell you to read 184 because I did not... It's not on my list of Wolverine appearances. But Wolverine is in one panel on the news. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I wanted to mention it real fast. Uncanny X-Men 184 is the past dot 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 of future days. And it yeah. is this exact same creative team as the last few issues. The cover by John Romita Jr. is uh, Professor X in his new stupid suit having a mind battle with Celine in a background of fire. And we have a girl with short red hair knocked out on the floor. We will find out, spoilers, that that is Rachel. And she's come back from the future. And, um, so she's wandering around New York. And she gets attacked by Celine because Celine says, Oh, wow, I've been draining all this energy, but this is someone I can actually like mold into like my disciple. Like I can use this girl so powerful, I can use her. She attacks Rachel. Rachel has a whole lot of fish out of water stuff. We actually meet Forge in one of the sexiest panels ever. <laughs> it is. It is. He's got the popped collar. He's got a pimp cane. Yep. One glove like Michael Jackson. Yep. He's a. Uh, it is. Man. Gorgeous. In some shorty shorts. Got some yeah. nice athletic thighs. A little sexy mustache. He um, looks a lot more like Tony Stark than I ever than he ever. Really yeah, does. which is especially weird because they kind of play him off as Tony Stark. Yeah, <laughs> I think maybe the the intention originally was kind of for him to be that kind for of the X Men. The X Men's Tony Stark. Yeah, just to be yeah. super smart, you know, building all these things, but also kind of the the, the unhinged character. Right. And then they kind of decided not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. And so we also get an introduction of his gun, which will play into the next issue we're going to actually talk about. But it's a gun that he invented that he's prototyping that can temporarily take away mutant powers. Yeah. But he hasn't tested it yet. He doesn't know it may not work at all, or it may take away their powers forever, or it may kill somebody. So don't use it, a.k.a. this will be used (laughs) against his will in another comic, (laughs) which you know that's going to happen. Yeah. And he also scares Mystique because he goes, hmm, my mutant scanner says someone in this room is a mutant. And Mystique's like, oh, shit. And then Forge <laughs>, laughs and says, ha, ha, just kidding, it's me. <laughs> anyway, then yeah. we see Rachel watching the news and she sees the X-Men fighting the dragon. That's when we get our one shot of Wolverine's butt. And then, um, like I said, Rachel does some stuff. Selene attacks her. Professor X comes to the rescue and we get Colossus's new uniform with his more modern boots and stuff, which actually I think I have a soft spot in my heart for the boots with the big yellow knee pads, but I also think these are probably more practical. So yeah. But then Rachel <coughs> passes out. She says, "Wait a second, this past is not anything like I thought it would be. I'm in the wrong time," and she passes out. She faints. Um, that's a pretty good issue. Um. Uh, I don't know. I would probably um, give it... 
Let me oh, let me say a couple of things about it before you, you yeah. read it. Uh, did you read it at all? Were you able to read it? No. You just kind of scanned it. I, right I just now? skimmed it right now. Okay, but just cool. thoughts on, on the characters that are getting introduced here. Yeah. Well, one artist picture. This one picture towards the end panel with uh, Colossus. It looks like he has a cocktail dress on. It, yeah, it's very like silky very, like, smooth. Very like cover your boobies ish. Yeah. Especially in the eighties, but bigger than that, because this is the first introduction of Forge. I wanted to say one of the things that I think is great about Forge, especially early on, is that he's Native American. But he doesn't immediately na- go on a spirit quest. Yes, I wrote well, that in my is, notes too. He's one of the only Native American characters. That doesn't wear feathers. And, Not yet. <laughs> well, yeah, eventually he'll embrace his heritage and, and have some aspects of it. But even then... It's just <clears> his <throat> boots, really. Yeah, even then, Forge what? never never is stereotyped, I guess. Or, you know, put into that. Well, he's a Native American, so he has to he has to be spiritual and have certain, you know, na- you know like right. Warpath and those guys where it's so, like, these guys are really Native Americans. Right. And it's an interesting that this is a guy who's, you know, he's just a rich guy in Dallas and he happens right. to be Native American. It's an interesting point. I agree. Of course, you got the old Native American saying, you'll never escape your destiny. <laughs> he looks like Tonto. He does look like yes, Tonto. That was a little much for me. <laughs> yeah. A little on the nose, but. Yeah. But anyway, but I, but I've, always, I've always liked Forge as a character a lot. That Not that many people did very much with him. No, he's mostly background for most of the time. But, but, I, but I've always cool. found him to be a very intriguing character, especially when you get to, you know, X-Men number one, when, you know, all the X-Men get so much more sci-fi, and the, right. and the explanation for all that is just Forge is building all this stuff. <laughs> right. Now yeah. we have all these giant guns and giant ships and all right. this technology that's just, Forge invented it, and so it becomes an easy, <laughs> an easy way to soup up all their technologies. And of course, Jim Lee draws it, and it's badass. So you know yeah. what? You can't you can't beat that. Well, so I'll say about this one. I love the Forge uh, <laughs> subplot, with the whole like and how it's going to tie into all the government stuff. I'm kind of on the fence with the Rachel part. I, it ends up being cool, but you don't really know where it's going based on this issue alone. So yeah. trying to pretend like I'm reading it fresh. It doesn't really make much of an impression either way. And I hate the Celine stuff. So all that's going to average out. For me, for Uncanny X-Men 184 for three out of six claws. Okay. I won't rate it since I didn't read it. But. Right. All right, well, cool. We have an annual we're going to do, and that's that's it. So let's move on. Okay, so last and definitely least, <laughs> we have X-Men annual number eight. This is... Can I go ahead and boo this? Yeah, go ahead. Boo. It's called The Adventures of Lockheed the Space Dragon and His Pet Girl Kitty. Written by Chris Claremont. Art by Steve Leia Aloha. I'm sorry, I put too many syllables. Steve Lay Aloha. Credited with the original idea is Joe Duffy. Uh, she might want to rethink <laughs> that credit, just saying. Um, <laughs> Glennis Ween is the colorist and Tom Orzakowski is the letterer. And so we have a cover. That looks horrible. I take that back. Ice sculpture Lockheed looks really cool. Everything else looks really stiff and dumb. I agree. And, you know, we have the White Queen doing Dazzler power. but Yeah, I thought that was I mean, strange. Every, yeah, everybody else looks like a bad action figure. 
Like, Everyone, okay, I'm going to go ahead and say this since you said that. I felt like all of the people in this issue, at least once we get to the story sequence, yeah. they all look like the superhero squad. I would say cartoon. more, uh, yeah, a little bit. They look definitely Saturday morning cartoon for sure. Yeah, but not like the X-Men cartoon, like a, like a kiddie version yes, of X-Men. No. And I think some of that's on purpose. We'll talk about whether it's good or not. Yeah. I think it was definitely a conscious choice on Leia Loha's part. Because it doesn't look like the beginning of the issue. I, the, right. the beginning art in in the real world, in the comic book real world, is kind of super detailed, and it's definitely stylized, but it's it's a lot grittier. Yeah, it know. reminded me of like much Parts later. Parts of it look like a blockier Jay Lee. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I was gonna say Jay Lee or like a, a less darker um, Tex. Yeah, Shara. yeah. I can see that. What's his first name? Mark. Mark. That's right. That's what I thought. I'm getting mixed up with uh, David Tishan. <laughs> Soccer players, man. I really dislike this first page of Wolverine. Really? I kind of like it. I think it's cool, except that Wolverine looks like a French guy. <laughs> the way the shad- shading looks like he's got a little thin mustache. He looks like okay. punk, Like Alpha Fight Pluck. Right, well, yeah. He's embracing his Canadian side. There you go. I also felt like it looks like and sounds like as he's talking that following on to the next page, like a like an old cartoon, like a almost racist ca- cartoon of like a old voodoo lady telling a story. <laughs> it was doing like a dramatic reenactment, like that. Um, was that Disney movie with the frog? Oh, uh, the, the frog. princess and the frog, or I think it's Princess and the Frog, but yeah. but yeah, that starts out with like a lady like that, like right. the, kind of the Caribbean New Orleans voodoo lady. Calypso. That's what it looks like Calypso, yeah, that's what it looks like they're doing. And so I didn't, I didn't care much for that. Although I like it the way it's drawn, but since if it wasn't Wolverine, I think I probably would like it a lot. But because I don't like Wolverine looking like a tiny French man, <laughs> and it also doesn't seem like it seems like it's out of Wolverine's personality. To be to do such a like dramatic reenactment. I don't know, um, but I don't know. Maybe he's just trying to be hip with the kids. I don't know. I, I don't think that's it. I think I think if he gets into the story, like he has a uh, a somewhat more personable side sometimes, and I like seeing that as compared to like most of his guest spots back then. They were all like, "Oh, I'm mad, and angry Wolverine, <laughs> super grumpy." That is true. Like, he can have a beer and kick back and tell some stories at the campfire. That's fine. That's um, true. Hey, and we could you know. Assume this is, you know, three or four beers in, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then maybe he gets a little more free with his uh, right. storytelling. Yeah. Well, speaking of storytelling, so the X-Men go camping and tell stories around the campfire. Wolverine tells a really cool samurai story, and Ileana tells a really lame fairy tale. <laughs> yeah. It's about space pirates and dragon sex. It's kind of Star Wars meets The Princess Bride... Means uh, what was that movie with the midgets travel time traveling, time bandits, time bandits, yeah, and Dragonheart. <laughs> I am the last one. <laughs> but really, it's just Ileana passive aggressively taking stabs at all the X Men. <laughs> yeah, and what she views as their poor choices. Yep, yep. So this is b- before we get into Ileana's story. Storm said, they, they talk about Storm losing her powers Yes, here. okay, so that gun that we just talked about, that Forge invented, Yeah. that he said, it's just a prototype, no one can use this. So Val Cooper stole it and uh-huh. took it home to the government buddies, and after Rogue 
in a in an issue I think 185. Some issues we're actually not going to cover because Wolverine's not. Oh, okay. Know. So um, we're jumping ahead a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Uh, basically, Rogue does some stuff. She breaks out that Agent Rosie out of. Actually, it already happened. In the issue we skipped, 182, she breaks the Rosie out of a S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier. That's how they meet up. And, um, oh, okay. And so, S.H.I.E.L.D., Rogue is wanted by S.H.I.E.L.D. So, basically, they get this gun, they give it to a task force, and they're trying to shoot at Rogue. But Storm shows up, because Storm's out looking for Rogue, because she ran off and abandoned the mansion. And they're like, oh, we gotta find her. And so, <laughs> she tracks Rogue down with a little help from Professor X and Cerebro. And um, while they're doing stuff... These guys show up and he goes, well, this whole time I've been using this gun on level one. I'm going to turn it up to 11. <laughs> and he shoots at Rogue and Storm gets in the way. And basically that's how Storm loses their powers. Well, okay. Well, I figured I'd miss something, but I, yeah. I didn't know. Uh, well, this whole annual is a big cluster schedule wise because it's the 1984 annual, but yeah. it references stuff post Secret Wars, which is the end, of, which is a summer of 84 to the summer of 85. Yeah. So again, stuff that hasn't happened yet. And it also references the Kitty Pride and Wolverine miniseries, which I think was coming out concurrently with this. Interesting. So it's just really weird, like, how many scheduling snafus there were in these issues we're talking about right now. But yeah, Ileana's story is stupid. And the art just looks very childish. And I think it's on purpose, but I don't like it. it yeah, it's definitely on purpose, because they're, they're trying to make it you know, this is her story. She's a kid. She's telling right. the story. But yeah. but I agree. It's not good. And so it, it'd be different. I don't know. It'd be different if... I feel like there's a way they could have done it where it would have worked. There is this one panel, I think the third page into the story, where you have the little little baby kitty flying up, which I thought was kind of cool. I thought that was kind of funny. But the rest of it, it just, yeah, it just doesn't work. And, it, and, it's, and it's not... They're not drawn well. It'd be different if it was cool looking, but Wolverine's got a weird blockhead. He looks like a Shi'ar guy. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like, there's a guy that did some X-Men runs in the last several years, and now he's drawing the Magneto book, uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walta, who kind of draws things kind of stylized and a little bit flat, but it's grittier than this. This kind of looks like when he was like in art school learning how to draw, <laughs> what his stuff might have yeah. looked like. I did find it very annoying. So the White Queen and the Black King, who are the villains in this made-up story, have these little guys that look like, look like a cross between the evil monkeys, the flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz and Nightcrawler. <laughs> yeah. And they, they talk in a way that makes Yoda sound like he graduated from Harvard. Like it's <laughs> horrible. And then we have a bunch of obligatory kitty costume changes. But anyway, I don't really want to spend much time on this. It sucks. I think my biggest disappointment, well, not my biggest disappointment, but one of the biggest disappointments is that it starts off, Ileana starts telling her story with the premise uh, that she's going to make, because everybody's sad, right? They have this crazy panel yes, collapse yeah. in, in such a dramatic pose, literally right. facing away from everyone on a stump by himself. And then it has Wolverine and whoever that is. Stevie Hunter. So at the end of this book, he goes off to bang her, right? <laughs> and that, and that's what happens, right? Like, they're like, hey, let's go, let's go find a tent or just a tree somewhere and get it that, on. That is kind of where it leads you to believe. But yes, yeah, so I, I, know, I think I know what you're going to say. So she's trying to cheer everybody up. Yeah. But she tells this story that, while it's a fun little fairy tale, basically shows what morons all these people are. 
Like she takes a stab like, oh, Colossus, yeah. I love you, but I can't. And I, I really love my dragon. I like, also felt like at the end of this issue, Kitty Pride and Lockheed went off to get it on. Like that was awfully weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the whole thing of, of uh, she doesn't laugh, which kind of seems like that should have been the payoff. Right. That she tells this story and because and, Wolverine and... and um, Stevie Hunter. Um, yeah, I can't remember her name for the life of me. <laughs> um, they make a bet that she's going to laugh or not going to laugh. And, and she doesn't. I, I don't think. It does, it's not even really very clear whether she does or no, doesn't. No one laughs. And, and Stevie says, well, that's okay. That story was so good. I'll, I'll settle up the bet, even if it means Harry Wolverine sex. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I story. think that was a pretty clear. I was just sorry. I, I paused. I was reading. I was reading the exchange where Wolverine's like, he says, or, uh, he says that she owes her owes him money. She's like, my pleasure, Logan. And he says, walk you home. She goes, thanks. I'd like that. And they walk and they're off. Very close. Yeah. Their faces are very close to that panel. <laughs> and so yes, one hundred percent, they went home and banged. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if they made it home. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably in the bushes right outside of the campsite. Right. Uh, so we talked about uh, uh, cutting room floor panels. I'm going to assume there's a panel somewhere that Lay Aloha drew. It's like a bush with like a bra hanging off the branch. <laughs> I hope so. And you see like little <laughs> shaky lines around the bush. <laughs> it's also kind of weird that right before that, Professor X says, some of you adults with quotes around it. Right. And help me put them to bed. How, these the new mutants aren't that young. They're not babies, right? I thought that was a really weird. You just thing. wake them up and tell them to get out of their tent. You know, <laughs> you although then it does show a guy carrying somebody. Yes, it's weird. This whole thing's weird. It was a weird episode, a weird issue. And then uh, Kenny fantasizes about Lockheed being like Billy Idol, I guess. Yes, and I don't know what's up with and, Kitty's hair in this whole episode. It's terrible. Well. Yeah, it's super 80s bad. Then Lockheed fantasizes about Kitty being a, a she-dragon. <laughs> it's, it's just, this whole thing's just weird and, and gross. It's grody. <clears throat> this issue is grody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so does Kitty and Lockheed go back and bang? That's what I just said. Yeah, that's what I said. I was laughing. I didn't hear you. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, that is uh, that is weird. It's also funny, just to bring it home at the very end here, that they even credited this guy, Joe Duffy, original idea. Woman. Oh, okay. Well, I guess J-O, so female. Yeah. But anyway, either way, the fact that they credited someone for just having the idea. So what was the idea? Hey, uh, wouldn't it be cool if, like, you know, remember that, that time, you know, a couple years ago when we had a fairy tale issue where Kitty told Ileana a story to cheer her up? Wouldn't it be cool if, like, Ileana told Kitty a story to cheer her up instead? Be like, you know, just the opposite of what happened before? Oh, uh, sure. I was like, yeah. And then she can, like, point out everyone's flaws. Yeah. In, in such a passive aggressive way. <laughs> Super passive aggressive. And then Wolverine will totally get laid. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, Put it on the books. It will vaguely hint at a uh, interspecies romance between <laughs> Kitty and Lockheed. We will continue to complicate the relationship between Kitty and Lockheed. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, weird. Annuals are always are are so rarely so rarely do annuals pay off. No, not very often. Every now and then today you can get some that work, but even then yeah. it's not that, that common. Yeah, even up in you know into the '90s, early 2000s. Oh no, the '90s are the worst because you have all those crossovers 
that are barely held together and barely make sense. Yeah. Like the uh, Ultron one and the one where everybody goes to Asgard for no reason. And uh, what are some of the other ones? I feel like annuals just it just became, or even kind of started, just kind of became stories that didn't really work. Or matter. Or matter. But they but, someone, but someone still wanted to tell them. Someone high up enough liked it and wanted it to get done. Right. But they couldn't make it happen in the comics, so they were like, well, okay, we'll do – that's the point of the annual. So right. we'll have a story where we'll put some story that didn't really make any sense in there. <laughs> yeah. But I, usually there's a reason that they didn't make it into the book because they're not good. But then you have those gems every now and then. And so. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, let's, let's, let's kill this thing. I'm going to give X-Men <laughs> annual number eight one out of six claws. I will follow suit. Uh, I hate when we agree on everyone. We're else, pretty, but. we're pretty similar in this episode, but yeah, but I'm not, yeah, I'm gonna say one as well. Borderline cool. zero, but Wolverine getting laid, I think that deserves at least well, one. Yeah, and honestly, his, I found his story about the samurai lady to be pretty compelling. Yeah, I wish they had. They should have done that story. They should have. It would have been awesome. That would have been way better. Yeah, way better. Because that was actually interesting. And it, and kind of had parallels to his story with Mariko as well. Like, the whole idea that they're not loving each other out of honor, or whatever that means. Well, doesn't Kitty say... Well, Kitty refers, was that story because of what just happened in Japan? Yeah, that's what she says to Wolverine, right? Right, which which is what that whole miniseries that we'll do next episode is all about, but... But yeah, so so I thought, you know, I mean, I guess guess they did a whole miniseries, and it wouldn't be worth doing a whole new version of it, but... But it's not the same thing. I mean, it wasn't that story he told. It was just, yeah. it had, par- it like drew from, he drew inspiration from his real life. <laughs> yeah. Like like a true poet, true storyteller, whatever. All right, well, uh, let's, uh, let's wrap this bad boy up, shall we? Let's do it. All right, so that's our episode, Wolverine Year 10, Part 2. One uh, interesting note. So, um, you know, nowadays... Comics are all about the anniversaries. Right. Right? So, um, we're doing Wolverine's 10th birthday, but we can't really talk about it because the month Wolverine turned 10, the only comic he was in was Secret Wars number six. He was absent from the X books. <laughs> Lame. Yeah. And, you know, obviously no nod to it. I mean, he was pretty popular, so I, I think they would have acknowledged it. I think they just didn't do that kind of thing back then. Well, it was before the 90s before they realized how much suckers like us would pay for special double-sized photo-covered anniversary issue. (laughs) Right, exactly. I gotta have the the 500th issue of Fantastic Four or whatever the hell we bought. Yeah, 500, 350 Spider-Man, but that was a big giant one with the raised cover. What do they call that? Oh, uh, embossed? Embossed, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But I remember, like, the the Spider-Man, was it the... Man, it would have had to have been... 93, right? So it would have been the 30th anniversary. And they did the big holograms on every series to yeah, commemorate. I remember and that. I bought, I all, I I bought of all of those. Yeah, I think I did too. <laughs> I think I still have most of them. I don't know, I don't think I kept all of them. But I know I have the amazing yeah. and spectacular still. It's funny. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. So his, his 10th anniversary came and went with no fanfare, no notice. We don't even have a proper X-Men comic to talk about on the podcast. Yeah. So I think it's because he doesn't have his own book yet. When he gets his own book, then yeah. they'll release to push. Yeah, probably push right. the uh, 
the anniversaries and stuff. Yeah, well, um, anyway, we talked about a few comics, one of which was good, so I hope you enjoyed the episode. <laughs> Cameron, as always, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me back. Yeah. So why don't you, uh, why don't you pimp your stuff uh, as, as usual? As usual, you can follow Jinx. me. At... Oh, gosh. You owe me a Coke, Coke Zero. <laughs> Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Cameron Sinclair. I tweet sometimes. Um, my podcast, History Banter Podcast, we haven't recorded anything new in a while, although we will be doing some new stuff pretty soon. Good deal. So if any of you possibly do listen to it. Um, you should, if you're not, FYI. I, I think so, too. I appreciate the plug. But anyway, so we should have some stuff coming out pretty soon. Our website's still a mess. We're in a big transition uh, of moving some stuff over to a different website and kind of reformatting the way we do a lot of stuff. But hopefully we'll, we'll get that all sorted out, and so we'll have some new stuff coming out soon. And otherwise, I don't have anything else to plug, I guess. My kids' soccer teams. You can watch those if you want. <laughs> yeah. Might be a little creepy, but... Right. Know. Yeah, I'm not sure you should, <laughs> to be honest. Um. <laughs> but hey... FC Dallas. I'll FC, plug yeah, there you go. Cool. Well, um, as usual, uh, iTunes reviews are out there. If you want to help spread the word about the show, email uh, snickcast at yahoo.com. Still have not had any uh, anybody take us up on the uh, Wolverine dating questions yet. So, <laughs> you know, if you want to do that. Um, that's unfortunate. Well, they kind of stole your thunder with that letters page on this one. Yeah, that's true. But hey, that's the voice I'll use. <laughs> Yeah, although specifically dating advice, and now with this latest episode of how Wolverine gets right. laid, I think that, well, that yeah. adds and to he, his dating uh, advice. You know, he gave Colossus some pretty stern dating advice, so we know he's capable. It's true, it's um, true. It would be good stuff. But as always, um, Twitter is at Snickcast. Show notes and stuff are at snickcast.podbean.com. And um, I guess that's about it. So, yeah, until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye. You gonna say bye or no? Meh. Nah. <laughs> All right. <laughs>